0: Hello passionate listeners, welcome to Passion Harvest. I've got an awesome guest today, I'm so excited to share with you and also I want to say if you're listening or watching, please subscribe to Passion Harvest and spread the passion. My guest today is Shona Lee. Shona discovered Feldenkrais and it felt like coming home. Shona is a Feldenkrais practitioner and massage therapist, and she enables people to experience a new sense of freedom and ease in their body. I can't wait to hear this episode. Shona is passionate about people and in awe of human resilience, resourcefulness, and capacity for responding and adapting. This is her story, and this is her passion. Shona, welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you, Louisa. This is very exciting to be here. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because the body is such an incredible thing. And I guess, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, Field and Feldenkrais, yeah. Feldenkrais? Feldenkrais? Feldenkrais, Feldenkrais, <laughs> Feldenkrais. <laughs> I guess to start, what what is it for people that are listening or our audience? What is it?
1: Yeah, that is a very good question. And the fact that you have that curiosity is a big part of what Feldenkrais is. So it's a kinesthetic learning process. So what you're doing is you're learning to listen to the sensations in your body. We do this through experimenting with different coordination patterns. We're examining your habits. We're finding more ways to do things so that you don't just have one way of going about things, which gives you more freedom and spontaneity. So it's you learning to experiment And discover what makes something feel easier.
0: And everyone obviously is individual.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that curiosity about the word is kind of the process of following curiosity about your own sensations in your body. What happens if I do something like this, and what changes if I do something like that?
0: I love that. It's going back to a holistic, conscious approach of your body and how you do things. It's kind of reminding you um you know the best practice really yeah well
1: what I really love is it's kind of people taking back ownership of their own bodies so that oh, they're learning I, I the, that the sensations is actually um useful information that they can do something with if they learn to listen to them
0: sounds beautiful so if I come to see you what 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 do you do
1: Yeah. So there's two forms. There's two forms. There's working one-on-one. So you might come with something specific that you'd like us to focus on. So often what brings people um, to seek any practitioner is normally some sort of pain or ailment. Um, And we would focus on how you're doing what you're doing to see what are your movement patterns that might be contributing to that recurring experience. And there's also a group class where people come and they lie on the floor and I guide them through a series of movements that gradually build into a bigger um, movement sequence. And this is guided a bit like you might go to a yoga class or a Pilates class, but each person's going to take something different away from the lesson. We're not demonstrating how to do it. It's kind of a more open-ended exploration. So it's a little bit like a meditation in movement, but they're mm. both similar. One-on-one we can do some hands-on and in the group um, setting, it's each person figuring out their own body.
0: So interesting. And I, I guess what What led you to to this practice? Did you have pains yourself? or <laughs>
1: well, that's that's actually really interesting because I came about it
0: um, from
1: a different avenue to pain. So I was in a youth um, theatre ensemble, and it was part of the warm-up movement stuff that we did. And it was very, very engaging because it was moving in ways that I never thought about before. Afterwards, I felt really tall and light and free. And the fact that you had to figure something out for yourself um, really kind of suits my own um, personality. So it was an experience that stuck with me as something that I'd like to look into further on down in the future. I then went on and became a massage therapist and then circled back around to Feldenkrais
0: later on. It's just amazing how life sort of leads us on these avenues and journeys and you never know where you're going to end up. But, you know, it was there and it directed you and guided you to, I guess, what you're doing now and what you needed to do. Well, I have an interesting
1: story on that, actually, because there's actually a massage client that sort of nudged me along in the Feldenkrais um, path. One day I was doing something with his arm and in the middle of the session, he said, have you ever considered being a Feldenkrais practitioner? And I said, yeah, well, actually I have. And we had a conversation about that. And the practitioner that he goes to see was looking for an admin assistant. So I then went and worked for her. So then it was around me a little bit more. And then this is like, you know, something leading you along the path. I then received this um, education grant, which was $1,000 to continue (laughs) my professional education. And it had certain criteria about what you could use it for. And I was keen to put it towards a Feldenkrais training so those were the sequence of events that kind of led me um, to study Feldenkrais at that particular point
0: in time. I love that that's such a beautiful story Yeah. and just because the name's so unusual what is, what is the background or where did Feldenkrais Yeah. So you correctly come from. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Moshe Feldenkrais was actually
1: a person. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little bit like Joseph Pilates. We've just shortened it down Mm -hmm. to Feldenkrais. Um, So he was a physicist who had knee pain from old soccer injuries. And he was curious about why it was worse on some days and better on others. So he started observing what he was doing on the days that it was better, what he was doing on the days that it was worse. So he started looking at anatomy, analysing it from a physics point of view and experimenting with could he find a way of walking that didn't cause pain in his knees. His wife was a paediatrician, so he'd watched lots of children in the waiting room, how they learnt to roll over, to crawl, to come up to standing. And he was also um, a judo master, so he had um, experience of teaching judo, and that sort of found its way into his um, methodology.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So that's fabulous. So, I mean, obviously you have your main points, but you know, when you see people doing things and they're not the incorrect way, but ways that potentially can cause pain or harm. What are the main things? I don't want to say what people do wrong, but how they move yeah. their body to potentially cause pain. What are the top, top few ways that we do this? Sure. Well, um, perhaps, a. Uh, um something
1: that could apply to everyone so often people have this idea that they need to sit up very straight Mm. and they do that by sort of switching on their back muscles and pulling back their shoulders and if you were to sustain that all day you'd probably get quite tired so from a Feldenkrais perspective we would start by sensing where your weight is on your sitting bones feeling the shape of your pelvis and begin gently tilting your pelvis a little forwards and a little backwards. So you're welcome to try this out now. So can you feel that as your pelvis rolls forwards and backwards that something's changing in the curve of your spine as you do that? So can you feel that you can influence your posture, you can influence the shape of your back simply by changing the foundation? Yes, I can. Yeah. So can you see that if you were to sit up by sort of tilting your pelvis and influencing how the bones stacked up on top of it right from the bottom of it, that this is a more sustainable way of staying upright rather than trying to use muscular effort to keep you upright?
0: So should your back actually be curved? Your your lower back? Yes.
1: There's definitely natural curves in your back. And in Feldenkrais, we're very big that you're never at end range so that you've got the ability to move in all directions at any given point in time. So you're not so far tilted forwards that you can't go further forwards. You're not slumped all the way backwards so that you're hanging out on your ligaments. You've got the ability to go both forward and back, left and right, up and down. So it's this ability to move in all directions without any prior preparation that um, Feldenkrais was really um, big on. And this comes back from the days when he was um, actually in, like, he was in the early days of Israel setting up their own settlement and there was an element of self defense where people had to be alert and ready to respond to some sort of crisis so it's like readiness that he
0: was so keen on cultivating oh it's so interesting so I'm just just digesting everything that you yeah. told me <laughs> so Obviously, movements is good. I'm just thinking of two scenarios. One, the first thing that came to me is, med- if, you know, if you're sitting for meditation, sh- I mean, the ideal is you're not meant to move that much. Should you be moving a little bit? What? what yes. What's that?
1: yes. Okay. So the thing is, even when you're still, there's all the internal movement of your breath, your blood. Like there's all these micro... Sensations and adjustments going on, even in stillness. so we we are alive, so movement is part of that. And to be able to move in that very microscopic way keeps everything free.
0: I love that answer. And <laughs> the, the other scenario, which is you know very most common and probably for you know people that are either watching or listening, if you're sitting at a desk for long periods of time yeah. and I'm talking six to eight hours a day, yeah and you know I've spoken to people that actually get the pains in their legs and get up and go for a walk. what 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 should you be doing to alleviate this sort of stress on the body
1: Yeah well this ability to be able to shift around and have movement even in a position of sitting the fact that you're not just plonking the fact that you if you have your weight on the if you, the weight of your feet on the ground that allows your legs to move if your feet are off the ground can you feel how you're kind of holding you're using muscles to just keep your legs still when you've got your the weight of your feet on the ground it allows you to shift a little bit more
0: and your hips aren't So static. Mm -hmm. So it is good to sort of rotate or create movement during the day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So part of what we're teaching is this ability for people to focus on two things at once. So they're focusing on their work, which is probably what consumes most of their attention. But can they save a little bit of attention just to also pay attention to the sensations in their body? So this is going to highlight what's going on before it becomes a really loud pain going to highlight once their back starts to feel a little stiff so they can shift and wiggle it um it's going to tell them when they need to get up earlier than when it's gotten really really loud like pins and needles yes exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> and being a oh my god i don't know what my problem with this name is field and cries field and cries field and cries yep. <laughs> expert are you conscious of this all the time which would be amazing it's it's
1: something that grows over time and it and it does just sort of become part of what you're doing um sort of um without trying if that makes sense yes. um it does make um other experiences more interesting when you can sense more about what's going on. So what I mean by that is just say you have a sore throat. That's not normally a fun experience. But if you're more acutely attuned to the subtleties of the sensations of where exactly it's sore and when it shifts and when it moves, it kind of becomes kind of interesting to track the changing (laughs) dynamics of what your body is doing so that you know that, like, your body is actually progressing through the cold or the tummy bug, or whatever it is, and you just have to wait for the cycle to complete itself. So the more you can sense, the more interesting things become.
0: That's so interesting. I haven't thought of that before. I'm going to try that next time.
1: Yeah, there's something about paying attention to something that allows it to change as well. So if you pay attention to your breathing, the rate and the depth of your breathing is going to change. And that's a similar process with what we do as we guide your attention to specific details, simply by noticing that your brain is already doing something with that information really? without you having to consciously really try. Mm. It's registered. It, yeah.
0: And I guess this must be such an asset in your massage as well.
1: Yes. This awareness of the body. Yeah, definitely influenced um, how I massage. And one of the biggest um, changes is allowing places to have a little rest. So I will return to each place in the course of the treatment a number of times. It means it doesn't all have to release at once. It means I can go somewhere else come back to it and notice what's changed it also allows the other person to the person on the table to register the differences and to notice that something is changing and this um this recognition that our body is changing is so encouraging when they've come in with something that's been a particular way for a long period of time and they notice that in that hour something's different that even though it's been building up for a very, very long time, the body is that adaptable that, given the right input, it can release.
0: And I could just see your face glowing and tell how <laughs> passionate you are about this.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it's something I'm very... I'm always astounded at the body's ability to change.
0: Yeah, because that, that sort of segues me into, like, the body's capability to grow and learn and adapt I think Mm. that was, you know, a really important point for you. Mm. So how does the body change and adapt so beautifully? Well, the body
1: is actually formed through our movements. So it's our initial interactions with the world around us that starts to build up a reason for our bones to get strong. It's the way that we move that particular pathways and patterns of muscles which ones are useful um, and what's really lovely is the fact that it's not this downhill spiral that people seem to think in terms of wear and tear and everything's just getting worse if you're putting new experiences in actually this ability to keep getting better can happen at any age which is really exciting it's so interesting that people can abuse their bodies not give them the right nutrition or adequate rest but as soon as you start doing that your body responds to that
0: better care it, it is amazing but, the body really yeah. it, it really is um and i was just thinking so i think it, i think it was my yoga teacher the other day that said you know you don't make a drama of it but he said but he also said your mind is going to give up well before your body does Interesting. And I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but it's kind of a holistic approach because, you know, your whole mindset is changing when you, I always say, when anyone moves their body, they want to improve their body, but it's a whole mindset of change. Yeah. Willingness to change, I guess.
1: I think kind of keeping your mind um, curious as well is also something you can cultivate, you know. I think following your passion, which is what you're all about, is what keeps your mind on a purpose um what it's what keeps it growing rather than stagnating yeah
0: and i know you also massage some uh the bangara dance theater and the australian ballet when they're in sydney
1: yes so this is another um thing where Life kind of leads you along, and you kind of realize that you're living the dream. Oh, <laughs> I one, love that! That's so <laughs> once beautiful. Once upon a time, that was like your ultimate, and then one day you realize that that's what's actually happening. So, um, the way that came about was through when I was in massage school, and you have to do a certain number of um, clinic hours, and there was a student clinic. Um, on site, but you could also do a couple of hours externally. There was a sign up in the, a sign up in the clinic saying, "Come and do your clinic hours with this ex-dancer." So I went and learnt from him. He became a bit of a mentor and then a friend. And over the years, he's sort of put my name forward for different things when he was unavailable, and it grew from there. So it's um, that's how I became involved and it's um, kind of bringing back that theatre um, passion that I had when I was younger and still being in the um, that environment.
0: How wonderful. I'm going to ask you in a moment, you must be a powerful manifester. <laughs> <laughs> Before I segue into that, what, I mean, the bodies must be amazing of uh, the ballerinas. What's really interesting is um This comes back to your bodies
1: develop according to what it is you do with them. Mm -hmm. So this is a common um, thing. People think that they have these perfect bodies. And what they have is they have bodies that know how to do a particular thing really well. From a Feldenkrais lens, you would probably say there are other planes of movement that aren't very developed in them because they do a particular action again and again and again and they aren't doing the reverse and the opposite movement Mm. so depending on your criteria about what a um you know quote unquote perfect Um, perfect. body (laughs) body is it's it's a byproduct of what it is you do with them so there are very strong patterns within their body based on ballet based on the repertoire and When people come in for treatment, often there'll be a bit of a pattern based on the choreography. So whatever's going on in the show that they're doing will show up in what it is that people are asking for treatment.
0: Is that over the various people that you see in the same dance, for example?
1: Yeah, yeah. So within the company, within that particular show, if there's a lot of lifts, all the guys will ask for their right shoulder released for example.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And, I mean, I don't know, they obviously train how many hours a day and repeat and repeat Mm, the same. How many hours a day do they train? Well, put it this way, they
1: do class every morning, then they do rehearsals and then they have, like, a show at night. So...
0: A That's lot, quite a bit. yeah. But <laughs> That's would they perfect. balance it out, like going to a gym or other things, weights and things? Yeah. like Yeah,
1: yeah, that is part of it. Um, they each would have their own personal sort of um, maintenance gym, swimming program, program. and um, that also comes down to personal preferences between how people like to um, look after themselves outside of work.
0: Mm. I love that. So you're living your dream life. (laughs) I'm going to have to ask the question. (laughs) How did you do it? Did you intentionally set these intentions? So I Or the milestones uh, and goals? I'll stop talking now because I'm so excited to talk about this. (laughs) Um,
1: I think to start off with, I had a lot of free reign growing up. So I was um, free to follow my own little creative projects and if I decided one day that it would be fun to paint the garden shed, I was kind of allowed to do that. (laughs) Um, So that's practice in decision-making and um, being given, like, the liberty to make your own decisions and follow through with them. Being um, very kinesthetic, a lot of my decisions have also come about based on my imagining the actual experience of what that would be like. So when I finished school, I knew I didn't want to um, have a desk job because the physical experience of being stuck to a desk was not appealing. Um, So it's kind of a a process of being um, sort of knowing what the next step is, knowing what it is you like, not necessarily having the full final, this is where you're going to end up, but just knowing what the next thing is based on what it is that gives you joy. Um, so it's it's always been quite an intuitive decision-making process. I'm not a let's make my five-year plan and count back the 12 steps <laughs> type <Okay>. of person. <laughs> um, when I cook, I like to sort of invent rather than follow recipes. Um, so it's kind of following what the next idea is and seeing where that takes you.
0: That's 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 the perfect recipe for manifesting. And um, so it's it's following what feels good to you and as you said, I like you don't get too caught up in the detail. You imagine I think you need a reason to get going
1: and then you encounter what you encounter and that might change your direction.
0: But you're following what feels but good you, and you, right for you. you.
1: You've gotten going, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, there's a reason to there's a reason to start and then you're then you're allowed to shift.
0: Do you visualize how you want to feel the potential outcome of it? I think um,
1: that's not part of my process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, it's kind of what excites me at the time and following. With what's sort of presenting itself,
0: mm-hmm. you don't get that analytical about the whole process. <laughs> no, that's lovely. I love that you say you're living your dream. It's so fabulous. So you've got the gratitude aspect as well, and you obviously a very happy, positive person, which I think is you know is is amazing as well for manifesting.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's um, that's part of it. But I I feel um, that's sort of self perpetuating when you're doing what. You love. And I think there's something about having your own business that every day you're making all the calls. So what you're doing is your own choosing. And that's a very big difference to
0: doing something because someone else said you should. Mm, I absolutely yeah. agree. That That's lovely. I guess I always like to ask my guests and we've kind of talked, you know, touched this quite a bit, but for someone who I just wanted to ask you, for someone who is looking to follow their passion, what, what is your recommendation? What would you suggest?
1: Yeah, I would say um, start with something. It doesn't matter what. Um, and when you're um, looking back, sort of tracking progress rather than tracking how far away you are from your final um, desired destination. So you're looking back this time a year ago, where was I at, and all the things that have happened since to sort of reinforce the fact that you are in progress and heading towards where you're going. And if you just keep that progress going, that will take you there.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. In the interest of time, is there anything else you'd like to talk to our audience about? Um, hmm, I think I'll let you
1: you lead that. I have gotten into the conversation and haven't no, no
0: that's fine. I, I you know, I, I just think you've covered everything so beautifully and I can't wait to dive into Feldenkrais. Feldenkrais? Beautiful, yeah. Yay. <laughs> so Obviously, for our audience, anyone that is listening or watching, all Shona's details will be in the show notes to connect with her. Shona, it's been awesome to have you on the show on Passion Harvest. Thank you so much.
1: Lovely. And you must get to chat to so many people. That's, that's really fun.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. It's a dream life. <laughs> it's one of my major passions. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.